Welcome to Energy Radio, a podcast by CEM Engineering. Welcome to this episode of Energy Radio. This is episode 23. And on this episode, I have a very special guest, uh, a friend of mine, Jennifer Green, the Executive Director of the Canadian Biogas Association. Jen, welcome to Energy Radio. Thanks so much, Matt. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's fun. This is, uh, for me, fun. Uh, for the listeners, I got to know Jen uh, well, well, over 10 years ago now, uh, when I was a, a young, uh, wet-behind-the-ears engineer, uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I dropped into the world of biogas, and uh, I ran into this effective um, project manager who was uh, running a, a biogas project, uh, very efficiently managing all stakeholders, including Hydro One, um, quite effectively. So, uh, And over the years, I've got to know Jen a lot better and done a lot of good work together, uh, starting when... Um, it was the APAO, and now you're the illustrious Canadian Biogas Association. So, um, but Jen, why don't you give us a bit of your kind of background, how you came to where you are today, leading uh, Canada's uh, preeminent um, biogas uh, organization? Sure. Thanks, Matt. That's a really touching introduction, and uh, likewise, I've uh, really. Uh, appreciated getting to know you and working with you um, a little bit more distantly now, but it's been uh, fabulous to have had the chance to work with you as well and your team. Uh, as Matt noted, um, my I guess my introduction to the biogas world was very much uh, a personal one um, and one that I often uh, don't share with many people, but is is a touching one for me. Um, I got to stop you there because I've noticed that like you. I'm always like I, before we started, I shared a personal story of, you know, but are, are you intentional about that? Like, I, I just love that story of Ledgecroft and and what you guys did there. And but are, are you intentional about not sharing that story? Or, or you're just far too humble and you just you, you, you do it. It's just your humility. You don't share it. I think it's um, I'm just a very private person in in general nature. And I, I think that um, as my roots and as kind of a family footing, it is, the, it, it is the strength that carries me in everything that I do. And so um, kind of as a very private person, it's not something that I put out there to the world, um, but I'm, I'm really, I'm happy to be able to share it uh, with you today. Um, Nothing momentous, but in my little world of of my um, development, I was very, very privileged to uh, have the opportunity when I was shifting in my career and um, and developing my own family uh, to have the opportunity to uh, assist my family's uh, farm in their transition to a number of regulations that were coming through uh, the pipe at the time. And in that evolution, I was uh, uh, very lucky to be able to develop some new skill sets. I had worked in uh, the environmental engineering field for a very long time, uh, working with contaminants and remediation. And um, interestingly enough, I was uh, able to shift to, to a whole new world, uh, learning about nutrients and and. All of that was very much the same. You're, 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 you find the same pathways. You're following the same uh, kinds of practices, although in a in a very, uh, very richer and different way. And 
so I was I was then immersed into the field of um, consulting within the agricultural community, and uh, that brought some really great experiences in in uh, working directly with the with the farmers and and with regulation and how that all plays into effect. And that really came. The, that was really all the nutrient management planning stuff, right? That came out of post Walkerton, you know, a, a more robust framework to how we manage our nutrients in Ontario. That's really where that came out of, right? That's right, exactly, exactly. And so, um, as as agriculture has evolved and as the need for, uh, you know, greater environmental protections have come to pass, there's been um, there's been a real uh, eye opening of of how these practices uh, take place for the farm and um, and how we can guide them in being able to uh, manage their nutrients in an effective way, manage their storages in an effective way. So this is good context because my next leap. Uh, in my professional career, um, was looking to uh, a new technology I had never heard of before. Uh, and it had started to uh, with a couple of projects in eastern Ontario. And um, my dad said, Jen, come with me. We, we need to check this out. And so we went and we visited a biogas facility and we asked all the questions and we observed and took notes and did everything we could possibly and the, before we left he turned to me and he said we're going to build one of these <laughs> and um and so from there it was really a path of passion and kind of bringing a lot of the of of my skill sets in 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 project management in consulting in communication in um, coordination and really bringing them down to uh, to the farm, and so I, I provided those skill sets to uh, the development of my own family's uh, biogas project on their dairy operation, and it was a I'm going to say a two or three year uh, period in the making, in in working with all of the facets along the way. And quite a journey, but so incredibly eye-opening and so incredibly enriching that um, the tip-off for me at that point, as we, you know, made the connection and saw the generation and saw all the beautiful things that get created from this process, uh, for me, it was very much a natural um, move to say, how can how can we make this happen for more people mm -hmm. and the opportunity uh, for me to be part of this organization originally as a member and then as a director and then uh, as their uh, lead executive director has been an incredible journey for me to take that um, intimate experience that I had firsthand and to really relate in a way that I think is uh, super special uh, with the broad membership that we have as part of the organization today across Canada. Yeah, and, and I think that's that last piece is, piece is probably why I asked you the question about your own story, because I think it brings a level of authenticity or, or credibility to what you do now. It's like, you know, I've, I've been there, I've done that, I know all the challenges, I know the hurdles, you know, um, and so I think you can speak to the membership and you can speak to the stakeholders and you can speak to the policymakers 
with a sense of, you know, don't try to pull anything over on, on, on me. We've, we've done this. We've, we've, we have our war wounds and we've lived to tell about it. And, but at the same time, you also see the long-term vision and, and benefit of, of the technology. So, um, so that's why I, I, I probe you on that personal part of the story. Cause I think it's, you know, foundational, uh, to everything you do. Um, so you move into this current role like eight years ago. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, actually, we're I think probably on ten or eleven wow. years. Wow. And congratulations. Uh, yeah. No. It's it's and, and it's, things are very different. You know, when we started, when you started, and you know, you you would take any board member that you could get. You know, as, which is how I got a seat at the table. And now you're, you know, I think nationwide and all these initiatives and the, you know, talk to us briefly about that progression. So the evolution of the organization has also been one of growth, and um, that comes with uh, pros and cons. I think it's uh, it's definitely um, I'm constantly learning. You know, there's there's an element of of broadening the tent uh, within with uh, whom we represent, and so you know, starting as an organization that really saw the benefits of this kind of uh, application. Uh, co uh, biogas within the context of their own farming operation um, broadened then to the you know the broader industry collective in uh, in the technology and the products that are necessary to evolve these kinds of projects or construct these kind of projects and from there recognizing that it's not necessarily just an opportunity for agriculture but we have this wonderful synergy between our urban and rural areas and the municipalities. And so municipalities were then brought under the tent and um, recognizing the wealth of, of infrastructure and organics and uh, elements that they can bring in, in utilizing this, the, the resources that they have as well in this practice. And uh, and then further from there, recognizing that this is not just, um, you know, within the province or within one area. This is definitely something that we can learn from as a country from the successes that worked in one area versus in another area. And so that that ability to put our shingle out and to uh, to really represent uh, Canada and the sharing of information that we can provide. Uh, to other regions as they look to develop their own pathways. That is really one that um, has been, I think, very helpful. And in doing so, I think that, you know, at, at over 135 members strong at this, at this point, um, you know, there's, there's, as I said, there's pros and cons, right? I think um, being able to recognize yourself within the organization and understand um, the activity that we're doing on your behalf, uh, being that collective voice for the industry uh, to really help pave the way and grow um, the opportunities for the industry that help the collective uh, is really important. It's also challenging, um, but it's, it's also very important. Mm. So let's let's kind of step backwards now before we continue forward. Can you give us, you know, maybe some of our listeners aren't, you know, familiar with biogas or they they have some notion of it that maybe not as clear as it could be to kind of lay the groundwork for the rest of our conversation. Can you give just a little bit of a, you know, biogas one-on-one, 101 uh, for us uh, as far as how the process works uh, in general terms? 
um, kind of inputs, outputs kind of thing, and then before we move forward? Sure. And I think this is um, this is where the sparks start flying off in my head, and as with a very technical engineering brain, I'm I can get really um, stuck here and enjoy this kind of description because biogas does not often um, bring a visual uh, image or an understanding connectedly as to what this this technology is. So there's some some pictures in the background um, to guide you, but in the story that I share in what biogas is, um, I'll, I'll put, pose a question at the end, which I think is very interesting. Hmm. So the process is, is generally starting with um, material, organic-based materials uh, that we call feedstocks. And these uh, materials are um, often considered wastes, but we like to refer to them as resources. Um, and being able to use these feedstocks or resources that can come from uh, spent grocery stores, uh, your individual homes as green bin material, uh, businesses and farms in the form of livestock manure or food processing um, byproduct materials, restaurant grease trap weights. All of this material has one thing in common, that organic component that has the ability to degrade. And these materials are collected, they are delivered and stored, and often um, they are input into what is called an anaerobic digester. And so an anaerobic digester is basically a closed tank um, with a membrane on the top uh, as a dome, and inside the feedstocks are um, are entered into the into this anaerobic digester or AD system. Um, often they're in liquid form, they can be in solid form. So they will flow into this uh, AD vessel and in there they basically are stirred, they're kept to optimal conditions in terms of their pH, um, no oxygen obviously, and within that vessel or anaerobic digester, um, there are lots and lots of bugs. And those bugs are constantly feeding and growing and multiplying. And in this biological process, all these bugs are eating up the feedstock and producing biogas or methane. Um, often referred to uh, as an analogy uh, similar to a cow's stomach or even our own stomach, in how we are able to process um, food and how we are able to then process the outputs. And so that methane or biogas is what we are collecting underneath that dome. And that methane is then captured and can be directed for various uses. And what I find ultimately fascinating is that we are able to, uh, in our world, in our very innovative world, find um, more and more uses for biogas than uh, what you know we originally started with. Uh, a lot of times, looking at biogas, even in you know very very um, uh, in in areas or countries where you're just using the biogas for for lighting or a single flame for cooking, now we're using this biogas in a way where it is being directed to uh, an engine and a generator to generate electricity. 
uh, there is a heat byproduct that is circulated back to the system to keep those optimal temperatures. We also see a movement towards taking that biogas and improving the quality, so cleaning it up and being able to generate renewable natural gas, RNG, or often also referred to as biomethane. And this biomethane can be used as a uh, blend into vehicle fuel, or it can also be injected into the natural gas pipeline and used as, um, as um, any molecule, a green molecule in the uh, distribution system. And so there's such a variety of applications in the actual use of the biogas in whatever form it may take. It's heating, it's, it's, it's uh, transportation fuel, it's um, electricity, et cetera. And so there's, um, depending on you know, the configuration of your project, uh, there are a number of different options there for you. And then in terms of looking at this from a mass balance perspective, we have inputs coming in. We also have material flowing out. And so that output is often referred to as digestate. And this is a nutrient-rich slurry, which is, uh, can be used as a soil amendment. Um, and it's often a byproduct of the system that is not, um, not typically the focal point, uh, but it has such an inherent uh, value to various applications um, that you know, can help you defer other, other requirements like uh, you know, commercial fertilizer, for example, in the farm setting. So uh, in all, it really is a closed loop system. It's taking materials, repurposing them to generate something new, and the question that I often get posed, once being able to provide the kind of background and story of this, is like, Jennifer, why don't we know about this more? Like, why do we see so many more of these systems uh, across the countryside? Because it is intuitively such a very um, effective, responsible, um, just the right thing to do. And I would say any of our operators that have facilities that share, you know, open their doors and allow you to uh, to tour the facilities and to understand what they do on a day to day basis are asked exactly that same question. Mm -hmm. So what's the answer? Why, why, why aren't, you know, why don't we drive down the highway and, and see them? Now, I noticed I was down the 401 the other day when you get close to. Uh, I'm going to get the Tecumseh just outside of Windsor. There's now one on the north side of the highway. I think it's a dairy lane project. Um, but, uh, you know, you don't you don't see them all over the place, whereas other parts of the world you do. But that's not maybe not the point. The point is, why aren't we? Because I'm like you. I've seen it firsthand myself, that light bulb moment where people are like, oh, that's it. Oh, that's awesome. And they and they catch that passion, maybe not to the same degree as you or I. But have you in your 10 years at, at the helm of, of, you know, the CBA, do you have a sense of what those bear, like, why aren't we seeing this adopted? Um, I have my own thoughts, but I'm more curious as to what yours are. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think we, we can often twist that to be more of, you know, what's lacking, what's the barrier. And, and I, I really do feel like, like so many things that we are dealing with right now, the, the interconnectedness um, of, of what we do, the complexity of the systems and how they operate, how they develop, how they, um, how they function, that is the real 
um, the nugget that is both the unique and special piece of what we do in touching all of these elements of our lives. But inherently, it brings with it a need to choose, you know, what we lead with first. And so let me give you some examples. Um, when we talk about these systems from a policy perspective, we're checking the box on how we're dealing with waste or how we're dealing with uh, resource recovery in the circular economy. We're, we're talking about energy in a clean fuel renewable context. We're talking about um, ensuring that methane, which is, you know, 85 plus times more potent than carbon dioxide mm. that's released into the air has the ability to be captured and so we are managing greenhouse gas reductions in a way that is helping to um, to curb our uh, climate issues and so those are massive massive societal um, elements that all are very complex in their own right and to take a technology that is providing a solution is, you know, basically finding that nexus between um, race recovery, um, renewable energy, and climate. It's going to take some heavy lifting into in determining what is your next step and the impact or, or that 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 step is going to take. So, from a, for an example, the policy. Uh, piece of diversion, being able to um, move in our communities towards um, towards an ability to divert that organic material from landfill, creates a lot of fantastic benefits and provides that feedstock stream to the facilities. Um, being able to, you know, look at ways of how we can. Uh, create local jobs and build more resilient local energy systems uh, from the context of improving some of the even some of the technical you know uh, elements of our of our somewhat um, sporadic energy systems whether it's on the electricity side or even on the natural gas pipelines bringing some resiliency and bringing some 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 technical strength to those um, to those areas with these systems. So there's there's my kind of take on this is like it's a lifelong passion and journey because it, there's just this never ending cycle of of challenges. But I think that comes with the evolution uh, of the of the technology and the and the, the the continued build, the continued growth of the sector um, will only be able to support and improve. Uh, those that are operating in it. It reminds me of something um, your father said to me years ago. He, I remember at the tail end of the project, he asked me, I was there for something, and uh, he said, so Matt, how's business going? And I, at first it struck me as a strange question. I thought, why does, you know, we're done this project. Like, why, why does he care how our company is doing? And so I just said, well, well you know, what we're doing, okay, why do you care? Uh, I said it more politely than that, obviously. And, and he said, well, Matt, you know, I need you to be around. I need you to hang around and your company to be around because this plant's got to run for 20 years and I need your company around to service it. Right. So to your point, you know, it's important that the industry continues to grow so that, you know, it continues to sustain itself because it is a long term. Uh, it is a long term proposition for sure.
Um, Absolutely. So, you know, who, who should who should be thinking about you know biogas as as we look to broaden the tent, as we look to grow you know this industry organically. Um, certainly, there are those who are invested in the industry from a technology or a consulting or a you know a policy perspective uh, that is existing. But but I mean, who who are the candidates to join the industry? Who what types of you know either it's facilities or you know technology or like who's a candidate for what are the things they're looking for to, to that that should get deeper into biogas it's it, it's um i would say that anyone who is really struck by this story has a role that they can play part of our role as an association is to try to enhance that awareness and get um, to, to transfer some of this knowledge and, and understanding. We as an organization and the members within it, uh, I would say all bring an assortment of talents and skill and, and knowledge to varying degrees. And so whether it is a, you know, we can, we can slice and dice this industry in so many ways and that's what makes it fascinating and, and like, mind-blowing all at the same time and so whether you're uh, a farming practice of any commodity uh, mm. whether you are a municipality and determining whether or not you are looking to co-digest with your wastewater treatment facility uh, whether you're looking to build potentially a standalone um, processing or biogas facility that's going to use say green bin materials in your community. And these are um, projects that are quite uh, large and, and take quite some time to move through. Um, but we're seeing a lot more municipalities move in this direction because they get the ability to, to, to maximize their resources, to be able to um, look at their energy systems and their environmental plans in a very uh, cohesive way. Mm. So municipalities are definitely something, uh, they're, they're a, 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 an area that has uh, really taken a look at this, I would say, much more deeply. Um, and also, you know, I think there's a role for the landfills as we look at, you know, policy changes and, you know, current infrastructure that is already collecting methane in those uh, gas treatment systems uh, and being able to utilize that infrastructure and that um, that material in a way that can be more beneficial to to the local communities as well. So, you know, we often compartmentalize and that can be good or bad. Um, you know, I will always, always, always take um, a really, uh, I think, knowing what I see from an agricultural perspective. Um, it was a vision of many of the founding members of this organization to see these kinds of systems populate the countryside in a way that provides, you know, treatment to nutrients in a way that that allows for this beautiful story to unfold and to to use all of the assets that are available to you on the farm. And so, you know, I, I think that that ultimately is, you know, something inside of me that would love to see flourish. Uh, but conditions have to be right for that to happen. And people have to become more aware and more, you know, ask the right questions, uh, be able to kick the tires, if you will, to understand um, what you would do differently and how you would do it differently. And so those conditions need to be 
um, need to be there to support the industry's growth. And I think that that tends to be one of the most tenuous things for any new technology, whether it's emerging or whether it's mature. There is this need for certainty in the policy world, in the ability to seek financing, in the ability to have a, a runway of more than 10, 20 years to be able to see your investments pay off more than the day to day. You do have to respect the pocketbook. And I think that that is, um, you know, that's where it, it brings in um, all those other uh, other in very important players to the to the table, whether it's the technology, whether it's the products, whether it is the financiers, the lenders, um, and you know, quite honestly, those who are seeking green alternatives at this point, with the um, you know within within the utilities and looking to opportunities for compliance into the future as we look into our world of carbon. So all of these are those that are part of our membership, and that brings a very unique, uh, strong voice to the table when we can when we can represent and speak from a very uh, broad range of members within the organization that are reflective of the industry. So you, you touched on something there that I want to unpack a little bit, and that is, you know, my sense is always, I, I think those of us who are in the industry know that this technology solves problems, right? And I, you know, I think as engineers, that's our bent is to, is to find technology that solves problems. I know that, um, you know, at CEM, that's very much part of our DNA. We, we gravitate towards, in our case, more industrial clients because they have a problem, whether it's, you know, with their energy cost or energy use, or even now, you know, we're, we're finding more and more people have a, a problem with with their, the byproducts of their operation, right, and how to deal with that. So it, I think it's clear to a lot of us that this is a technology that solves problems, but I, I wonder if the problems are not to the general populace or the policymakers, the problems are not acute enough to drive change. And what I mean by that is, you know, when your boots on the ground, you know that managing nutrients is, is a problem and you've seen firsthand, but it maybe doesn't get the traction it needs. So that's a long lead up to ask the question of, what are some of the macro things that you're seeing um, in our world today that, you know, could make these problems more obvious to hopefully policymakers that will drive change um so are there big picture things that and I'm, I'm way off script now apologies for that but you know are there big picture things that you're seeing in you know societally even that you know as this industry matures are going to make this problem solving value proposition of biogas look more and more exciting and drive the change um, yeah, are the things you're seeing in a big picture that you're excited about? I do, I do, and and you know it it, it is a function of of you know in many ways trying to convince um, it you know it's a, it's a it's a very beautiful story a very well understood technology and yet there's still a lot of hesitation a lot of reservation and I think. I think that's slowly breaking down. I think we see in the broader context um, 
an interest in innovation. I think there is an, an, an interest to uh, adopt and accelerate innovation. And I would say there's been no time like the present mm. to bring this reality to a head in that the definition of essential services, really when it comes down to it, and you have to you know, deal with your waste products and you have to have a healthier planet and you have to do more with less. Like these are all really kind of base elements that biogas brings in spades. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at the bigger picture of the resiliency of our energy systems, of our waste systems, of our, you know, our planet and how we're dealing with, with global warming, these are big topics. And yet, you know, in, it's, it's, you know, the individually you're doing only what you can do. But if we have the scalability of the, um, of the technology, then like there's no stopping the ability for this sector to expand. And we have seen that mm. uh, definitely in other countries. So when we look globally and movements globally for anaerobic digestion, to to certainly expand in a way that can provide a lot of those solutions and benefits um, whether it's you know in the scandinavian countries in germany um, even even here in north america I, I see there is growth and so i i would say that you know it's it's those concepts and no more so than now you know these systems are continuing to operate they are providing us an essential service and I think that putting that in the context of the uh, local opportunities for uh, for for job creation and resiliency in our own um, in our own uh, whether it's community or province or country, right. there is a lot here to unpack with that lens currently than was ever before. And I think also recognizing that while biogas on its own. Um, may be providing, or even our biogas and RNG, um, may be providing, you know, a very small contribution to the broader picture. The ability for that to carry forward in the context of clean fuels, um, uh, in, you know, the, some of the policy discussions that are happening at our national level, um, it's really important. And, and so, you know, making sure that you, we can, you know, stand on that stage and, and have a part to play in contributing to a, a clean fuel standard or, or you know, a, a more robust energy system across the country. Um, it's it's really important. Is there a uh, kind of a holy grail for the biogas industry? Like, is it, you know, do you have, you know, on your wall a poster of X dollars per ton uh you know of carbon or or is it the renewable fuel standard like is there is there a holy grail that you're chasing after and, and you're saying you know if we get to there you know we're going to see the hockey stick in terms of you know the biogas industry I'm, I'm exaggerating for effect obviously but i mean what what is the the kind of next frontier where you say hey if, if leadership nationally or provincially takes us to here you know then because it's the right thing to do then we then we really fill a void there and and I think so so growth means so many different things to to our members. And again, there is a bit of a fear factor because growth brings with it a bit of competition. And so there's that 
necessity to to be steady as she grows. And I think this is really, um, you know, something that we we also understand and take uh, very seriously. I think that there will always be, uh, you know, that holy grail is really, you know, the hundred million dollar question. You know, how can how can we how can we expand? How can we meet the needs of uh, of you know our communities and our and our um, our neighbors? Uh, this and and doing that individually, uh, you know, each project is so unique and and can be challenged at so many points along the pathway but each project bringing them together that's huge right so do i have a number like would i be satisfied with you know a thousand projects would i be satisfied with you know whatever that that looks like there's there's no magic number but there is definitely an a need to see see that growth happen in in many ways and so that can be the collective of, of existing um existing infrastructure or existing resources new construction which brings with it a number of you know different benefits in terms of you know the companies and the and the the knowledge power that's needed to really support the sector um as we've seen with many other sectors that have come forward mm -hmm. so it's the definitely seeing an ability for this kind of technology to be mainstream and part of the conversation um, is is probably the biggest thing that I would love to see. And does that happen? You know, if if you know federal leadership comes out and says, okay, you know, twenty twenty five, we're going to be at a hundred bucks a ton for a price on carbon. Um, or, you know, we're going to say a certain percentage of natural gas in the vehicle fleet or in the pipeline has to be RNG. I mean, is there something that you're pushing towards and you say, hey, that, that changes the game and that drives the, the growth of the industry? Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be greater than $200 a ton in terms okay. of moving that bar. Like, I definitely see, um, you know, we're at a point where those, uh, where those, uh, where there's dollars are needed and and you know this is not something to sneeze at in terms of the investment that you're making so you want to be educated you want to be asking the right questions i i do think it's a combination of being able to set those targets or mandates specifically for biogas and renewable natural gas within within the provinces and within the territories I think there's a need to um, move forward with diversion policies mm. being able to to maximize the value of the material that's there for uh, a for a better purpose and i know that you know there are parallel tracks of reduction in food waste which i absolutely 100 percent agree with but there's also going to, there's always going to be a fraction of material that will be non-recoverable and so we're talking about being able to use material in a in a more effective way and so that those diversion policies are going to be incredibly important mm. and i think establishing um programs and uh you know whether there there are are measures within our um fiscal policy that we can you know leverage to be able to see uh the ability for these projects to to um, navigate uh the the process of financing um, to be able to get the security that's needed for the return on investment 
Um, we're not talking uh, a you know a short turnaround. We talked about you know 20 year horizon for the infrastructure and in, for components of the infrastructure. And I think you know once you are on that path and you make that investment, it's something that you need to have that certainty of support in so many areas. And so you know those are some of the building blocks that we work on. Uh, daily to be able to inform, um, to provide data, to represent the, uh, you know, accurately and relevantly the sector as it is currently um, to many of the key stakeholders that we can, that we talk to. You, you made me think of something like in terms of, you know, getting more interest or more activity in the sector is, is the, is the bottleneck the interest, like getting enough people interested or is the bottleneck, you know, you have enough people interested, but it's the certainty around a project's development and financeability and permittability that there's just not enough clarity. Like you have a you have a lineup, you know, around the corner, like every grocery store these days, you have a lineup, but you don't have certainty around getting it to the finish line. Like where's the bottleneck of those two? Yeah, and, and again, you can kind of look at this from you know supply demand. You know, which angle are you which which angle are we going to really impress upon in order to um, to, to really see, you know, even consumers or, you know, individual companies, uh, you know, large multinationals being in a position to say, you know, I want, I want to see this happen. And so, so, you know, projects will take time to develop. We're talking three to five years to, to, you know, from, from conception to operation. Um, they have a long runway in terms of their ability to, to operate. But we need all of those facets of the change. So um, the Canadian Biogas Association recently launched its Better Gas campaign. And this is really a, an, an education and awareness initiative to um, help increase the understanding of what biogas and renewable natural gas are as a sustainable energy source. And um, I bring this campaign up and you can see us on social media, etc. But this is really to bring biogas to the radar of audiences that may not already be in our circle because we can very often and very um, uh, commonly talk within our own circle but until we can break that sound barrier and get um, on the radar of others um, that's where we're going to lead to some more interesting opportunities and conversations so you know our the corporate sustainable uh, corporate sustainability managers that are out there in, in many and many uh, companies and organizations you know, are looking at a portfolio of options, is biogas one of them? Mm -hmm. You know, come to the bettergas.ca microsite and say, okay, wh what do you have to offer here? And, and have a dialogue and have a conversation. Really being able to build the, the profile of biogas and RNG in Canada, as well as promote this as an alternative to, um, you know, various, various uh, you know, policy angles that we've talked about throughout this conversation, you know, this is the starting of the conversation. Uh, I think there can never be enough groundswell or support. And if we, you know, definitely have to demonstrate the ability to um, to be able to to put this into action in a more meaningful way, meaning, you know, seeing more plants constructed and delivering more volume of, of RNG and being able to provide those green electrons or green molecules onto our energy systems. And, and that will take time. But when we see the interest within, uh, you know, within that demand side flourish, 
And we've seen this happen, um, particularly in provinces within Canada where there has been uh, where there have been programs such as in British Columbia and now in Quebec, uh, where RNG is being an offering of your uh, gas to supply. That is something that is, you know, starting to take hold in more regions. And people individually and within their companies have the choice. Mm. So this is where we're starting to enter into these conversations because we know it takes, it, you know, it takes that kind of pull to really attract the, the right kind of um, solutions forward. Yeah, it, my sense is that, you know, that, that notion of a groundswell, you know, if you have, if you have that groundswell, if you have enough noise of, of, of individuals and, and corporations, you know, who want to do the right thing and, and want biogas to be part of that, you know, the, the rest of it in terms of implementation and permitting, that, that then becomes becomes details, right? And so if you have the groundswell and you say, okay, there's so many people here who want to do it, then you know we'll figure the details out, but there's enough impetus. Whereas if if there's not enough impetus, then it's not worth spending time on the details, right? So I think I think that's what you're trying to do with your better gas initiative is is really prop up that groundswell side of 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 the effort, right? And I think with that groundswell, there there are more questions, and when we are curious, there is no uh, limit to what we can do. Mm -hmm. And so so being able to open that dialogue being able to ask the hard questions um, and reciprocating that. I, I will be the first to admit I don't have all your answers, but I definitely have companies and members behind me that have years of information and resources at their fingertips. And so it is with that in mind that by having the conversation, by opening your imagination to what could be and to, to prompting the dialogue, that just has a ripple effect not only within your own uh, companies or within your own communities, but broadly. And so that that really is that um, the the impact that we're trying to make. And do you have a target um, audience in terms of this Better Gas initiative? Yeah. So we've um, again trying to you know break the circle of who we who we communicate with on a on a regular basis. The the campaign has really been strategically targeted to stakeholders that are um, looking to uh, potentially large users of natural gas, um, manufacturers looking at people who use, um, you know, use their energy sources in a big way. Um, they could be cooperatives, they could be um, public, public institutions, but really all of them are using some form of energy and giving them a position of saying, what if you did it this way? Mm -hmm. And so we've got a lot of creative elements out there um, that I'd encourage people to check out. And you know, ultimately, they aren't on our radar at the moment. And if we are able to uh, open up that dialogue, I think it would make a world of difference. Yeah, two, I think you and I have discussed this in the past, but two, two kind of target audiences that jump out for me are, um, institutions of higher learning so you know you have universities and colleges where you have this um, student body that is clamoring for more and more action on carbon and more and more action on you know what are, what are we doing to you know save the planet and and it, it's all you know it's all well-intentioned and it's all you know good good in initiative my, my mother used to say if we didn't have the extremes we'd never move the center 
Um, so, you know, and, and, and they're paying customers, right? Or their parents are, or, you know, so, the, so there's, there's this student body that's saying to the leadership on campus, you know, what are you doing to, you know, reduce your carbon footprint? So those decision makers, the, the director of utilities, the uh, VP of, um, you know, infrastructure on that campus, you know, she may be looking for all these different opportunities and she may not even know about biogas, right? So there's, there's one target. Um, and then the second one is, you know, large industrials, you know, so we work with a lot of them and, and all of them have this shareholder driven CEO driven initiative to say triple bottom line, you have to get to here. And these individuals have no idea how they're going to get there, right? They come up with, you know, the old standbys and they get halfway to the target, right? And so they're also clamoring, um, you know, for, for all these alternatives. And then the feeder system, I would say to both of those is, is the consulting engineers, um, which is, and I don't say that, you know, self-serving, but I think, you know, if you can get to some of these consulting engineers, they're the ones that are bringing forward these ideas to these decision makers. Um, so that's kind of a, a channel through to these, um, these folks. But yeah, I think that will really, because if you look at the, the, you know, it is it is a complex ecosystem, but it also you can start to stack the benefit, you know, and 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 you know, those decision makers in that middle band of an organization will get that and will understand um, the opportunity and then it'll go on their radar. They have long development cycles, but they'll make it happen. Yeah, for sure. And, and that really has been the uh, development cycle that we have internally gone through with the support of our leadership and being able to identify and go through that uh, that very exercise of identifying you know who is our target audience and how do we want to bring them into the fold and I think over time we can you know hopefully be able to continue to roll out uh, this this kind of information um, but wetting the whistle to somebody that has no clue is you know both exciting and frightening at the same time so <laughs> yeah for sure um, so where are we at in in this country or this province or whatever is the most relevant in terms of RNG you know I I remember the Union Gas Enbridge overtures to the OEB $18 a GJ unsuccessful uh, you know, the Fortis BC, Scott Graham initiatives that are, that have had some success. What, what's the current, um, you know, dialogue or, you know, industry for in particular RNG? And then, and then I think, you know, the second question is, where does that put us with vehicle fuels as well? So I would say, like everything, it takes time, and um, definitely, you know, I mentioned I mentioned British Columbia and Quebec um, intentionally because they do have programs that are now really, you know, in effect. They have they have policy that is that is working together in um, helping to drive a lot of development opportunities in those provinces, and so there are approximately a dozen RNG projects operating in Canada, um, all in a, in a variety of different uh, sizes and, and contexts. So as I mentioned, you know, landfill operations in Quebec, um, wastewater treatment facilities, um, agricultural operations that are producing um, biogas and cleaning and, and injecting into the, into the pipeline as RNG. So, so we are very fortunate to be in a position where there is um, the practice, the skill, the learnings, 
and the examples of successful operations on the ground in the country. And that is hugely important because I think a lot of times you talk about new technology, you talk about it, you know, your technology readiness level and, and like we're here. And there's definitely areas that can continue to be improved and refined. But on a whole, the process and the systems um, have demonstrated an ability at a commercial scale to operate and to work. So there is there is huge runway for us to be able to grow uh, those RNG facilities and a lot of work being done, as I mentioned, in various segments of subsectors of the of the industry to be able to develop that. Um, I would say Ontario um, has also, you know, attempted to see uh, supportive programs be put in place with, you know, a, another turn at bat now with starting with a voluntary program and, um, you know, navigating that process as we speak. That really was the foundation for the British Columbia program. And, um, you know, that's where your money will be where your mouth is if you buy into the, you know, the concepts and the the interests of, uh, of RNG um, to be able to check that box and be a participant of the program. And then, you know, we come back to that supply demand and being able to get that supply to the program in a significant way. So so there is a bit of a, you know, give and take a learning curve here as we as we move into that realm of, of more supply. But I think all, ultimately uh, those those mandates make setting set a great example for how um, we collectively can move forward. And, um, you know, that ultimately comes from public buy-in and public desire to move forward in, in many of these priority areas. And so, so from an RNG perspective, that's, you know, that's where we're at today and the growth is, is quite large. I think also looking at, you know, RNG in the context of renewable gases as a whole. And as we see globally, um, you know, renewable renewable fuels in a in a in a in much more broad definition um, has I think great opportunity and biogas and RNG fit within that. Mm. And in terms of the vehicle fuel piece, we've definitely seen a number of um, a number of examples of where this has has been um, you know part of the overarching project intention of of seeing it could be um uh buses running on rng it could be um uh refuse trucks uh being able to be fueled on rng um and and or fleets uh, of various configurations um from you know from ups to whatever right so there's there's a number of different um offerings and different abilities to bring RNG into that equation, what we see as kind of a stepping stone is being able to get a lot of those, you know, tractor engines, being able to convert those from um, from their current state to a CNG or to a, a natural gas uh, configuration to be able to use RNG as a blended fuel. Mm. And so this is, you know, almost a two-step process in in being able to see that movement towards um, those kinds of uh, of fleets and definitely that in addition to the infrastructure so the fueling stations for example are are also ones that are starting to become more uh, available along the four series highways so it is slowly evolving on the fuel side um, specifically vehicle fuel side but when we look at heavy duty transportation 
and the ability for, again, that whole um, GHG reduction scenario to come into effect. Transportation is significant in this country. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're not going to be able to, there's no silver bullet. Um, electrification is not going to be um, the only thing that we can choose from. And so the ability to um, move towards RNG in uh, transportation will be quite uh, an interesting journey and one I, that I think can reap uh, significant benefits. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned electrification. We've had on this um, podcast, we've had some lively discussions with uh, you know people that you know, you know the Tim Shorts, Richard Laslodes of the world, Dave Tykrobe, and and you know about around that topic of electrification, Akil Zaidi. You know, so there's a lot of Enbridge, you know, ex Enbridge individuals there, but you know different sides of the spectrum in terms of electrification. But one of the things that I'm you know that Dave Tykrobe holds on to and and I like as well is we need to start talking when we when we talk about electrification we need to step back and 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 use a different approach to kind of energy accounting and we need to start talking about the same units right so if you look at a, a consumption of energy you're looking at kilowatts hours of electricity and and you know cubic meters or gjs of gas well it's even hard for me to you know line those up right and then, and then one of them is a dirty fuel, the, the GJ of, of, of natural gas, is, whereas the electricity. So if you start to go on the same units of measure, and then you, you say, well, I'm not going to compare a dirty GJ of uh, natural gas to a clean, uh, not really clean, but clean KWH of electricity. If you take out the dirty one and put in an RNG, and you look at it on the same units of measure, you'd be surprised at, you know, how, how and, and you have an all-in cost, right? Because electrification is going to cost us a lot of money to build that infrastructure, which is already in the ground and gas piping. So it, it comes back to where we started this discussion, I think, and that is telling of the story, right? And so we, we as, you know, those who are in the ecosystem need to think strategically about how we tell the story um because those other voices have a seat at the table already we got to get our butts to the table and be able to articulate our piece of the story in a way that's simple and people can understand you know those stacked value propositions because electrification is coming because it's sexy and easy to understand we got to make sure we have a seat at the table right so. I fully agree, 100%. And my hat is off to um, many of those who you mentioned in terms of their um, in-depth understanding of these energy systems and the way that we need to evolve in how we manage them and how we integrate them. And so, um, you know, we're really just at the tip of the iceberg in being able to understand this and allowing for um, options like biogas and RNG to uh, to participate and to have a meaningful contribution to be made is is the best thing that could ever happen for all of us. So kind of my last question, again, circling back to where this all began, where you got your start, you know, where my family roots are, where the organization started on, on the, you know, you mentioned broadening the tent. Um, I think sometimes you, you probably feel a tension between broadening the tent and moving the tent. Um, and, and so on the agricultural side, what, you know, we probably, I don't know what the count is these days, 50 or so systems, let's say in Ontario. Um, but I seem to recall some number like 2000 or 4,000, you know, dairy farms and many more other types of livestock farms. 
what's it going to take to you know drive down you know highway six or the 401 or you know highway seven and and see a lot more uptake of, of biogas on, on the family farm i mean we went in with you know three four or five million dollar projects you know um the big boys all did it and you know it it worked well but i mean how, how do we get to mass adoption in the agricultural sector that is really a ch that is a the toughest question absolutely like if i had the answer to well, that i wasn't going to leave a softball for the end <laughs> yeah it, and 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 you know honestly it's it will take i keep hearkening back to to all of these participants and and it will take every one of them and it's going to take a need to be open in how you can work together mm. so it has never been more clear to me that it cannot be an urban and a rural situation. It cannot be a, um, you know, a movement of feedstocks because of, you know, the, the, the location of the majority of the, of the feedstocks, feedstock uh, inputs, but yeah, no place to put the digestate. Mm. There needs to be a willingness amongst all of the, the players within the market to think broadly and to come together with those solutions and you know markets be what they are they are going to dictate where things will where things will go we have seen a shift from you know heat and power towards rng and and who knows what may be around the corner i think you know we definitely need to serve our industry with continued success um, success in projects uh, success in operations um success in being able to be a good neighbor and so you know those are things that are rooted in you know best practices and things that the association can be able to share and and to help our our you know all of the regions across the country in growing so whether it's feedstock alley in alberta or you know uh you know unique situations in in nova scotia there's a number of ways that this technology can uh can be applied and those are being explored mm. and so i think i think it really is um you know as as much as you are rooted in your project in your business it's it's the ability to be able to think big mm. in how you see your success and your purpose in what you're doing mm. and if if we can open that thought process a little bit then I think we'll get gains. I think we will see um, see gains, and we will see more see more opportunities for our technology to thrive. Yeah, it, and I would imagine that's that's in some ways hard hard to do to to, to for all of us. I mean, we're firmly entrenched, but I think in in agriculture, you know, you, you have to you know survive on your own merits so many times. You know, nobody's nobody's coming in the middle of the night when the water pipe freezes or a cow's going to calf, right? You're there on your own. Um, and so there's that, you know, there's that skill set and that mindset that's been been built up. But to your point, I think the projects that are successful uh, are are broadening their their purview of, you know, how these things work and 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 working together because it, as you say, as you said many times, it is a very complicated ecosystem, even in just one project, right? Yeah. Um, and by the integration by the integration of those projects, you're bringing in. You're you're bringing in a whole new team of of uh, of experts that um, in in a whole new domain that is not not natural or normal to your you know core business in many cases. 
So, you know, as innovators, as, you know, explorers of this new territory, you, you have to have that little bit of, of um, element of risk in you to, to be able to accept that. Yeah, and that's the, the classic adoption curve, right? Everybody has a spot on that, that classic adoption curve for sure. So, hey, Jen, this has been really fun. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, none of it was on the script, I don't think. Uh, so that's, that's success for me. Um, but thank you for doing this. So to find you, it, it's bettergas.ca. Is that right? That's the best. So bettergasassociation.ca, bettergas.ca. Um, either of those will get you to uh, my coordinates for sure. Cool. Well, thank, thanks again. And thank you for listening. This is episode 27 of Energy Radio. Uh, my guest, Jennifer Green, the executive director of the Canadian Biogas Association and a good friend of mine. Uh, special thanks to Mark Charbonneau, our man behind the glass, making us sound and look good. And Lisa Barber, our uh, executive producer as well. Thank you for listening and we'll talk next time.